Come and uh, fellowship together. Turn your Bibles over to, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't mind, we're going to jump right in today. Is that okay with you? All right. But it is great to uh, come and worship God um, this month. Uh, I know during our midweeks, we have been studying out the grace of God. Um, during our Sundays, we're going to continue going through the book of Ephesians. And one of the reasons why, because everything we've talked about is only because of the grace of God. So I know this past three months, we've been talking about so many things of who we are in Christ and understanding our identity in Christ. And we're going to keep on um, studying that out today. In Ephesians chapter 2, last week, Mark, uh, Matt did an incredible message on how we're brought near to God. And we know that everything that happens, the fact that we're even brought near to God is only by the grace of God. We're going to pick up in uh, chapter 2, verse 11. Here's where Matt um, left us off last week, and we're going to just go ahead and pick up in verse 19. But let's start in verse 11, just to get context of Scripture. It says, Therefore remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth and caught uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body of by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. That's just a dark place to be, right? But then you see in Scripture, a lot of times you see this transition of here's where you were, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one, and he's talking to the church about the Jews and the Gentiles that they used to be, God, it was God's people and the Jews and the Gentiles on the outside, but now because of Christ, the two have been brought together and they've become one. Two groups, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to Father, to the Father, by one spirit. Now we're going to pick up in our text today in verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives in his spirit. You know, this text right here in verse 19, I, I went and read it in other translations. And one translation says this says, therefore, you are no longer outsiders. Exiles, migrants, and aliens excluded from the rights of citizens. But you now share citizenship with the saints. 
God's own people, consecrated and set apart for himself, and you belong to God's household. Another translation says in NLT, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's household. And you can go on. They say some very similar things, but one of the problems that Paul is addressing the church is though the Gentiles are now in Christ, I think there's still this sense of feeling we're in Christ, but we still have to wrestle with some of the things of the past of feeling separated. You can imagine all their lives they sat outside of God's people. They always felt excluded. They always felt far away. They always felt that we don't have hope, but those are God's people. God's people have hope. And now, just because they're baptized and brought into Christ, I think some of those feelings were still there. And it's like, I'm in Christ. I'm in the church. I'm with God's people. But do I get the same rights that they get? Am I still? Am I, I know I'm here, but are we all one? As I know we're one in Christ, but sometimes we can... Be together, but yet not feel together. Does that make sense? And I think that as I, as I went through this, it says, you, you are no longer strangers. Strangers are those who are not part of your family, right? Strangers are those people with whom you cannot, you know, it says right here that you don't have deep fellowship. When we were young, our parents always taught us, don't do what? Don't speak to what? Right, because strangers you don't trust, they're on the outside. But you can, in the family, it's safe, but outside, you don't talk to strangers. And that's how the Gentiles felt before they came into Christ. They felt like, well, we're strangers, you don't talk to us, but now they're in Christ. They feel like we're here, but we still feel a bit of distant. Do we still get all the privileges and the benefits that you, God's people, have? And even in the church, they begin to feel these, this tension within the church. It says here, you're also no longer foreigners. The word foreigner speaks of those who are from another country, not their home. Other words are aliens. As foreigners, we are in a place which we do not belong. We're in a country that is not ours. We are separated by culture, language, nationality. A foreigner does not have the same rights as those in the country that they're visiting. You understand that? Any of you guys ever been outside this country? And I say, praise God for America. But you know, the, what I want to talk about here today, I just have a few points here, but I believe that Paul was dealing with something that I think they felt deep inside that I think as Christians we can feel. Insecure. You know, it's amazing. We sit here, but I think there are times still, even in Christ, we can feel insecure. Do I share all the rights and everything that all the saints have, or sometimes we can be here but feel like I'm here, but do I really share all the blessings that Christ has? And I think the church, I think this letter was written, you are a chosen people, you are adopted, you are redeemed, you are forgiven, you are included, you are made alive. Why does Paul go over the top to help these Christians understand, here's who you are, here's who your identity is? Because I think that they knew it here, but I think they found it hard to embrace in their hearts. And I am convinced, I really believe this, I believe that if we really understood who we were in Christ, man, our lives would be so much more radically different for God. But I think that even sometimes, like the Christians here, we can feel a bit insecure. We, like, I'm here, but 
Really, what does that mean? And today I want to talk a little bit about what that means. Is that okay with you? But if it's not, I'm going to do it anyway. So I always ask you that question as if someone said no. I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep going anyway. But I just want to share a few things. The first, my first point is I just want to encourage you. My title today is I am a fellow citizen with God's people. Now, you know, all these lessons have a, there's a something that's said and there's something that's not said. What is said is there's an assumption that's made that if you're in Christ, all these lessons apply to you. But if you're not in Christ, this is for those who are in Christ and you need to figure out, well, how do I get into Christ to experience these blessings? But today, if you're in Christ, and I think this is what this passage, the verse, go to verse 19, says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens. So to the hearers, it have been like, I'm a fellow citizen just like the Jews are. I used to be there, but now I'm here. And today I want to encourage you and inspire you that if you're in Christ, oh my goodness, there's some incredible blessings that come with that. My first point is, this world is not your home. You know, as disciples, as believers, when we came into Christ, we entered into a different realm. Though we live physically on earth, the Bible says in, in Ephesians 2, 6, that we were raised up. We were seated in the heavenly realm. So though we are in this world, our, this world no longer becomes our home. Does that make sense? So you have citizenship here, but when you're born again, you're born into a spiritual realm. So this is home and I have citizenship, but now this world is no longer your home. You have another home. And that home spiritually is with God. The Bible says we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms like, yeah, I'm here, but, but my heart and my desires and all my affections, they're not here anymore. They're in a new world. Outside of this world, it's with God. And we have citizenship with him. You know, this passage here, it says something. It says in verse 19, it says, but we are fellow citizens with God's people and also members with God's people, and then it goes also members of his household, God's people. God's people is broader than just people here in the church. God's, your citizens with God's people is more than just, well, of course, all the disciples throughout the world. No, it's more than that. God's people extends to now, we become co-citizens and family members with Moses. That's pretty cool. With Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the prophets, Peter, Paul, and our brother in Christ, Jesus. So I don't think we get that, though. You see what I'm saying? I don't think we live. I don't walk around like, yes, I'm a fellow citizen with who? With Jesus Christ and all the saints and the apostles and the prophets and the people before. That's my new family. See, when you have family, you, you, you walk around with a sense of honor. Like, this is where I come from. Sometimes we walk around the other way, but like, that's my family. I, I want to disown my family. 
Is that your uncle? Well, it's from the, he's like my second cousin from the third generation from my step parents, so technically we're not. But <laughs> some of you guys can relate to that, right? <laughs> some of you guys are that cousin, but it's okay. But in Christ, it's different, right? But I think that that's what he was trying to say. Is Gentiles, you're not some second-class citizen. You're not just, you don't just come into the kingdom of God and you're just, you just come on in but sit in the back. Says, no, you have the same privileges and the promises that Abraham had. But you, you mean I get, I'm a fellow citizen? Yes, the same household. That's a powerful thought to think, man, I, this is beyond me. When I walk out of the door, this is beyond I go to this church. I'm part of something bigger. My family is amazing. But I'm part of that family. You know, one of the things that we get when we become Christians, we get a new home. You know, Philippians 3 says this. It says, but our citizenship is in 320. I wrote these down because I'm going to go through a lot of passages. Some I'm going to have you turn to. Some have you quote. I'm going to just quote. But you got them all, okay? But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Where's your citizenship, Christian? Where is it? Okay. You know, when you're in another country, depending on where you are, sometimes your things happen like, wait, I'm American. You know, you, I got some rights. But we don't, right. not over there, but we, we, <laughs> we can be pretty arrogant. It's true. You in America? Well, I mean, you're American. Well, go sit over there, America. It doesn't. But I think there needs to become a pride. A pride. What are you? I'm a citizen of heaven. And we sound like this. What are you? Citizens of heaven. You know, I look at this. It. You got to understand that we are heavenly. We have heavenly citizenship. We are part of a kingdom that belongs to God. Our home is eternal. This right here, this is not your home. This is, the Bible says in Peter, this is all going to burn up. See, so since I'm like, man, this may catch flame, but it's not touching my home. My home is in a place that it can't be touched. But I think one of the things, too, is that we, not you, we have this home together. We, our home is the dwelling place of God. All the stuff that happens here is temporary. Our home is with God. I think that brings me some security. My home, there's no sorrow. It's all full of peace. My home, there's no more death. In my home, there's no more challenges. No more sorrow. No more tears. Matter of fact, in my home, I get a new body one day. I can eat and not gain a pound. I got a new home. And it's like, if you just sit and think about that, it's like, yes. And you sit here right now. I know you're going through pains. I know you, your body, our bodies are dying. Peekaboo, your body's dying. I'm just letting you know, you're a step closer to your death. It's just a reality. Right. 
and on April 15th, you'll pay taxes. They're realities. It's because you're a citizen here too. But my home, this world is not my home. I'm going to get a new body. If you're in Christ, I said this last time, if you're in Christ, your eternity has already begun. It doesn't begin when you die. Your soul, if you're in Christ, it lives now and forevermore. And all of what's going to happen is you're going to shed this body, go into a new body, go into your new home, get your mansion, all of this glory. And the best part about being in heaven, it is not what you get, it's who you get to be with. With God. You're a citizen of the heavenly realm. We are together. Now, you got to like each other because you're going to be with each other for eternity. So if you got some issues, go ahead and work them out. If not now, you'll work them out for eternity. Well, no, there'll be no sorrow, no more pain. But amen. Because there'll be no more sin. Praise God. And the Bible says there'll be no more sea. So I know I can get in because I can't swim. I can't. I doggy paddle. But um, that's Princess Bride. And y'all caught that. Thank you. Thank you. But I do think that as I want to encourage you, you've got to realize this is not your home, Christian. My third point is if you're not a Christian, but right now for a Christian, this is not your home. I know we get sick. I know we get discouraged. But together, I'm not talking, there's not, the Bible doesn't talk individual. It speaks together. We are co, we are fellow. This is not our home, but all families not our home, but we get a new father. Um, you know, in this passage earlier, Paul says something to the church. He says in Ephesians 2, 2, in which you, he says you used to live this way, but you follow the ways of this world, the rule of the kingdom of the air. First John 5, it says, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies under the power of who? The evil one, the kingdom of the air. But then Jesus defines it even more. He says in John 8, 42, Jesus said to him, if God were your father, you would love me. For I've come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry on your father's, you want to carry on your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And he's saying, look, you, know, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Not only are you, this is not your home, but you have a new father. Now, I'm not sure what your father was like. And that's not what we're talking about here, but you have a new father. But all of us at one point shared a similar father. And that father was Satan. And we followed his lies, we followed his ways, we followed his systems, we followed him all the way where Revelation says that, Revelation 20 says, he's going to be thrown into hell. We were following him all the way to our destruction. But then Christ came, rescued us, raised us up, put us in the heavenly realms. No longer is he our father, but now we have a new father. So I ask you, who's your daddy? Right? And 
Well, that is actually, it's not just slang. In Romans 8, when it says Abba Father, it's, it's an intimate daddy. So don't, like daddy. That is biblical. <laughs> but you got you to gotta think about that. You have a new, and I think this was hard for them back then. I think the hard part is that they were, in, they were adopted into a new family. So to understand, but you can understand from a child who's adopted, if you come into a family, do I get all the same rights as all the kids? Yes, the father loves you just like he loves them. But you mean I get the same benefits? Yes, you do. All the things my children get, you get. We have a father who loves all of us equally. Just like he loved Abraham, Moses, and his own son, Jesus Christ. He loves you the same way. That's our father full of love. Mercy, grace, we have this amazing father. We have a father who's not trying to use us like Satan. We have a father who wants the best from you. And he loves you. You have a father who's been, since you were created and the world was created, he wanted a relationship with you. And sometimes that can be hard to grasp, depending on your father, how your father was. But... We had this father, but we also only have this new father. We have new names. You know what those new names are? Y'all don't even know. Oh. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. It's not American. It's not French. It's not Brown. It's not Booker. It's not Williams. Some of y'all names I can't pronounce. So, Basachi, Basachichi. <laughs> got to find the Smith. Any Smiths? Smiths are easy. Strange is even easier, but it, it, our name is not strange. <laughs> but you know what name we get? And it's a name that I think that we should walk around with high honor. Children of God. The Bible says in John 1.12, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. I'm going to skip 1 John 3, verse 9. It says, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. You and I are children of God. You understand that. You understand that you carry a name. You're a child of God. When you wake up in the morning, you need to be before your feet hits the floor. You need to stop before you do anything. Say, wait a minute, I'm a child of God. And when you say that, I'm a child of God, it's like my kids, right? Well, where are you going over to Saul's house? Well, remember you're a booker. And bookers don't do certain things, right? You remember, remember who you are before you go there, don't act out. But we're children of God. So where we go, whether it's work, whether it's school, whether it's the military, wherever we are, remember who you are. It's not your name. It's you are a child of God. And if you grasp who your father is and where your home is and who you really are, it changes everything. God's children, they do certain things, but they don't do certain things. Does that make sense? But we are children of God. Now, children sometimes fight. They don't get along. But we're still all children of God. And I think all this passage is saying, look, 
Remember who you are. We're children of God. Does that make sense to you? So the question you have to ask yourself is how does these truths change the way you live your life? See, it's not go do this, but it's you got to understand truth. When you understand something, it changes the way you walk and how you live. And you got to think, God is my father. I'm part of his kingdom. This right here, when things don't go well and like, man, my, 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 my house is breaking apart. My car is falling apart. You're like, so what? This is not my home. I'm just passing through, right? This is not... This is not real. This is not my reality. My reality is spiritual. It's perspective. It's changing a mindset that all of this is going. My body is hurting. I got like four. I'm on five medications now. I put them on my sick, and I'm like, first it was my asthma medicine, and then it's this. Now it's my high blood pressure. Now it's my this. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, it's okay. I'll get a new body. <laughs> but I gotta remember that. I gotta remember, like, whoa, I am. My body's getting old. But I still look good, right, man? <laughs> but my body's getting old. But still, but I kind of remember, this is so what? Because I'm in Christ, right? Because I'm in Christ. I'm going to get a new body. I got everything to look forward to. This right here, it's only temporary, which leads to my second point. My first is, understand this is not your home. But there's something else that I think that we got to understand, too, is that you will no longer fit in. Fit I. You will, never, you, you will no longer fit I. I don't know. I, didn't, I guess it didn't go all the way in. You know, back to Ephesians 2.19. So you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along. You are, I'm sorry, you are citizens along with all of God's holy people, you are members of God's family. As children of God, we no longer fit into this world. Though we live in the world, this world is no longer our home. We, we, it's funny, we were strangers and foreigners only to come into Christ, to become into Christ, to become strangers and foreigners again. Does that make sense? So before Christ, you were alienated, but now in Christ, you're going to be alienated again, but it's going to be alienated by this world. 1998, this picture is a very random picture. You're like, I don't understand the picture, right? This place is Zhang Jia in China. And 1998, I went there. And when I went there, I walked the streets. Um, we were there for two weeks. We went there, we were, we were um, doing a program serving um, some, of the, um, some of the kids, we, we were teaching English. Um, but I remember walking down these streets, and down these streets there, these are all stores. There's like food on the bottom, the food is outdoors. And, but I'm walking down the streets, and every time I walk down the streets, people would drive down the street, and it was clear that I wasn't Chinese. I don't know how they... <laughs> I don't know how they figured that out. Y'all got something that I don't got. Explain it to me later. I don't get it. All right. I'm kidding. I get it. All right. But I remember walking the streets in China. This wasn't mainland China. I went to Guangzhou. We went to Guangzhou after. But this wasn't mainland. This was a place in China where the plane flew in, in between mountains. It was, they didn't have an airport. The airport was like, can I grab your bag? 
It was like tattoo, deep blame. But uh, <laughs> I'm speaking to an older crowd, mature crowd. But so we go here. But here's the thing: when I walked the streets, and I came down the street, every time I went into a place, crowds would come come behind me because they had never seen a black person. A lot of them never seen a black person before. Um, the food was different. Um, <laughs> I had frog, rabbit, and they went to a restaurant. I was pumped. I didn't understand everything. But I understood one. They said chicken fingers. I tell you all this for Tell you about the chicken fingers? I said, I'm going to give me some chicken fingers. And I think he said, Barbara, you, you, you know where this is going, right? And I, I'm like, yes, chicken fingers. And a chicken finger came out. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? Chicken finger. I'm like, no. Breaded, but I guess that is claw. And I, <coughs> I ate it. I was hungry. I lost a lot of weight there, but but I knew. But as I went there, I had an asthma. I mean, this is a lot. I had an asthma attack. I went to the hospital. They were speaking the language, and I couldn't understand. They were like, I'm like, I can't breathe. I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. I can't breathe. And I'm like, they said, the guy translated, need a shot. I'm like. Asthma, asthma, ah, asthma. And I'm like, ah, and I'm like, you don't get it. And they brought out a nebulizer. And they're like, ah, I'm like, you get it. <laughs> I'm like, you got it. But the language, the food, the everything. One thing I realized that I didn't fit in. <laughs> My whole point, I got so many stories. The food, the music, the entertainment, I didn't fit in. And I share that with you because as a Christian, that's how it should be while we're here. You don't fit in. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. I actually got pretty, actually got pretty scared while I was there. Because when you don't know what people are thinking about you, sometimes you assume the worst. So I was like, they, we, were, we went jogging. Like, you want us to leave? I said, please don't leave me. But I'm going to skip down here just to verse 4 for time. In chapter 4, verse 4. In verse 3, and, and this, my, this is not your home. You're a citizen of heaven. Therefore, you don't fit in this world. It says in verse 3, you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry. So the assumption is that now you're in Christ, you don't do these things anymore. Why? Because you have a different father, a different name, and you're a child of God. But they're surprised. Who? Everybody else. They're surprised that you don't join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. Why? Because you don't fit in. They're surprised. Well, why aren't you doing what we're doing? Because I'm a child of God. I'm, this is not my home. They think you're strange. Why don't you listen to my music? Why don't you party? Why don't you drink? Why don't you have sex outside of marriage? Why aren't you cursing? What's wrong with your language? Because I don't fit in anymore. Because I'm a child of God. And that's how it should be. My principles are changed. My values are changed. They look at you. What is wrong with you? That's how the world should feel about Christians. Why aren't you taking that promotion? You can get more money. You can get a bigger house. This is, you understand, this ain't my home. I'm not living for this world anymore. I'm living 
Oh my God. They think it's strange. They are, verse 4, they are surprised that you did not join them and they're reckless while living. They heap abuse on you, but they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and dead. They're like, look, you don't get it. I don't fit in, but one day you're going to have to give an account to God. By all this life and all your living, if you're in Christ and a fellow citizen, you should not fit into this world. When you begin to fit into the world, something's off. And it's not the Father, and it's not the kingdom of heaven. We wrestle. We shouldn't fit into this world. Look in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to kind of skip through a few things here. You guys have the scriptures. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. You, you do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm going to skip down to verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We have different values. Our, as Christians, our, I'm not saying you, our our values are different. It's not about this, what kind of car I have. It's not how many, how big my house is. These aren't our values. These aren't our treasures anymore. It's not about how much money I make or how many degrees I have. It doesn't matter. I talked to a guy last week. He said, I'm a PhD in this and that in theology. I'm like, well, how is your life in Christ? Who cares if you're not right with God? But we can't value those things anymore. Our values are different. I go and I watch my kids. My, all my kids play sports and we play and I talk to the dads. And it's funny because some of the dads, they're, 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 their language has changed when they talk to me. When they first like, yeah, you know, your son is this and he's great and, and all these different things and your daughter and this. And they, they talk about the kids and it's like, wow, we can get them in this program. We can get them in this program. You should do all these things. I said, my biggest thing for my kids is I want them to become Christians. And they're like, oh. I said, now, I want them to do great in school. I want them to do great in sports. I want all that, right? But I said, my, what I look at my kid is not how many are in school, but I look at his character. Yeah. What was his character like? And I find it's funny, after years, one of the parents, we were talking, I was like, yeah, look at my child and his character. I'm like, this, your language is changed, you know? <laughs> but I think what matters at the end of the day, because I played football in college and I broke my kneecap, so what? What matters yeah. is was I right with God? All this not promised, but I can't, I can't focus on things. I gotta store up my treasures in heaven. I, don't, I can't fit into even the language of this world. I gotta have a different spiritual language. Even my marriage, my goal is for my wife and I, we're partners to make it to heaven. The whole thing, the thing that holds us together outside all the street is Jesus Christ. And we gotta be unified and working together. Why? Because heaven is our goal, not this world. It's not the next car. It's not all the stuff. So what? If you're not right with God. Your language shouldn't even fit into the language of this world. We have our, our treasures are different. And I look at the church 
And I see men and I see women who are standing up for their faith because what matters most, maybe their spouses aren't Christian. Like, look, I got to stand strong. Why? Because what matters most is my family making it to heaven. And they wrestle and they struggle. And I know they come and they're leaving home. It's like, but is it my family? No, it's the family of God because at some point, that family needs to become a God's family so they can be in heaven with me. I know we wrestle with those things, but we got to remember we're in the world. We have this dual citizenship, but the citizenship that carries the most weight is our spiritual citizenship. First John chapter two. And I'm going to skip the last part and go to my last point. First John chapter two. No, I'm not going to go. Go to Hebrews 11. Go back and read first John two. We have different appetites. I said first John, as long as I don't say second Romans, we're okay. <laughs> Go to Hebrews chapter 11. That was from midweek, so we're here from midweek. <laughs> Hebrews 11. This world is not our home, we, we can't fit in. And this is inspiring right here in verse 13. First John 2.15, go back and read that. It talks about that our desires aren't for the flesh and things of this world. Well, listen to this. This is inspiring. Verse 13. These are our brothers and sisters, okay? This is who we are co-citizens with. This is our, if you're in Christ, this is the family of believers. This is all these people, and it goes through all these people of faith, and Noah, and Abraham. It goes through Enoch, and Abel, and Sarah, and it goes on, but it says all these people were still living by faith when they died. What does that mean? They lived their life, their whole life, but they kept their faith. I love that. They said, I'm not going to fit in. Why? Because of my faith in God. They did not receive these, the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country that they had left, they would have had, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for what? A better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And I, I think, why were they able to live by faith? How were they able to? We got brothers and sisters, and it goes on in verse 39. They were cut in half. We have brothers and sisters who were sawed in two. They were burned at the stake under Nero. They were pierced and put up like candles and lit on fire, but they stayed in their faith. They had their heads cut off because they would not denounce Christ. They lived here and says, I am not from this world. And they went through all this because in their minds, they're thinking, this not, is not my world. You can take my body. But, I will, but I'm living for God. And I think, like, man, that's faith. They got it. We're strangers. This, this, this world right here, this is not what it's about. Their minds, they were here, their feet were here, but their hearts and their minds were set on a new city. Where's your heart and mind set? You know, the, the other passage on here, I might have wrong, that's right one. It talks about how even back in Israel, the reason why God had a holy people was to show the world himself. We should be such a people that when people see the lives of of children, the children of God, they, they should praise God like, wow, there is hope. 
They don't fit in. They're different people. Their marriages are different. Their lives are different. How they talk is different. Their speech is different. They don't watch these days on TV. They don't go to these places. Why? They're the people of God. I want to know more about your God because there's something different about you. If you blend in, if you fit in, if you wear the same clothes they wear, listen to the same music they listen to, watch the same things they watch, we won't have an impact on the world. This is not our home. We have a, we have fellow citizens of another home. And in this world, we shouldn't fit in. Are you with me? The last point here. Okay, I have a few minutes here. Is that citizenship is available. You know, all this we've been talking about, I've been only talking to the Christians. If you're not a Christian, just let you know, you can hear all that, but I wasn't talking to you. But you need to hear it because that's what you need to be striving for in Christ. Yeah. You know, in citizenship, the word means it's the status of a person recognized under the custom or law as being a member of a country. A person may have multiple citizenships, and a person who does not have a citizenship of any state is said to be stateless. When it comes to your spiritual life, are you stateless? You know, Jesus came, and I'll just share these things and share a passage. Jesus came to offer citizenship to the whole world. And I know we're in a political season, they're going back and forth on who should be a citizen, who shouldn't, and who should come in, and who shouldn't come in, and how we should do it. But in Christ, he's like, no, everybody can come in. Praise God. But the way that we get in is it's not by, you don't buy your citizenship, you don't trade in for it. It's not something you go buy, it's something that you're born into. And John chapter 3, it says that we are, you must be born again. You must be born into the kingdom of God. And I just want to say this, just a, as you get ready, I just want to have just an honest talk here. Can we talk? Go to Ephesians 2, I mean, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, I'm getting there. Something that Solomon says about his life, and I think that I want us just to, if you're wrestling with where you are, I want you to think about this. Listen, all of us in this room in Genesis chapter 1 says we are created in the image of God. Do you understand that? You know everybody here was created for eternity? Yeah. Okay, do you, do you understand that? So if you ever wonder why people live 900 years, 800 years, 700 years, 600 years, 500 years, remember that? And you're like, that's a long life because originally they were created for eternity. And when they got kicked out of the garden, then, they, then it says then you will die, then they originally were supposed to live forever. But you see, they begin to die. And the numbers got lower and lower. So that's why you see that. But we were created inside for eternity. Now, here's what I want to get at. All of us, whether you think so or not, there's a part in your heart that is empty without Christ. Mm -hmm. This is a reality. And 
And how do I know? Because you feel, you feel the hole, don't you? Before Christ, you felt it. If you're not in Christ, you may lie to yourself. You may go to church. You may read your Bible. You may say, hey, I do this. You may try to find it in girlfriends and money and life and everything else. But without Christ, I mean, really have a relationship with Christ, you feel empty. You can be amongst a hundred people and everybody's having fun and laughing. But deep down inside, you know there's a hole and it feels empty. And you can fill it with all the things of this world, but it kind of just passes through. If I have this relationship, you can have this given to a pleasure. The next day you feel like it's still empty. Why? Because it's only meant for something eternal, and it's Jesus Christ. Solomon understood that. In verse 1, he says, I said to myself, come now, I will, rest, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good, but that is also proved to be meaningless. I laughter, I, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine. I tried an embracing folly. My mind still got me with wisdom. Like, look, I got drunk, but I still have my mind. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects, right? And what we do, I'm going to get a project. I'm going to add a porch to my house. That'll add fulfillment. I'll add this to my car. But it doesn't do it. And I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees for them. I made reservoirs to water, for, to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well the delights of a man's heart, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And in all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, Everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And he ends the book of Ecclesiastes. I've realized the whole duty of God, the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commands. He says, I've tried everything, but nothing fills it. Because Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says this. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. If you don't fill it with a relationship with the eternal, you will find yourself grasping at wind in life and not catching it. The only way, and it's not something like, oh, here's what I'm going to do. You got to trust God that he can fill you. You got to trust that repentance from your sins will bring refreshment. You got to trust that when he brings you in the waters of baptism, that he's going to deliver you from the slavery of sin and set you free. That all the things we've talked about in heaven can all be yours. He's like, come on, I've already, you know, I've already paid the price. You just got to trust me and trust my plan. And citizenship is available to you as well. I pray that as we leave today, that if you're a Christian, be excited in Jesus. Yeah. 
You walk around, tell somebody this week, and just, just randomly, hey, I just want to let you know I'm a child of God. Huh? <laughs> let me tell you my story and how Christ changed my life. I'm a child of God. It is great. You know, yay! They were like, you're crazy. That's okay. I'm supposed to be strange. I don't fit in here. <laughs> but you got to own that and love that and say, thank you, God. And it's like, look, you know something? I don't want anything from this world. The thing that matters most of anything is, is I want to help. I want to share my faith so this person can become a Christian. Because that goes on the next life. But if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, citizenship is available. And I encourage you, maybe somebody brought you out or maybe you want to talk to my wife and I say, hey, look, what is that? How do you even start that? How do I even, where do I even start? Because I hear it, but how do I even start? Look, come talk with us. We'll get with you this week. We'll come to your house. We'll figure out something. But this means so much. So we don't want to miss this. Thanks, guys. Amen.